Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus it's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Josh Schaefer. Josh, this is our first episode of the season where essentially I don't think we are going to say one bad thing throughout the entire episode of this show. Is yeah. do you think that's true? I think that's true. Yeah, I, I I think I think it's very true because right now the Dodgers are absolutely rolling and even after a game today where Gavin Stone made his debut and did not look very good and you know, things were looking pretty bleak for a little while and the Dodgers, you know, had no business being in the game. They come from behind, win in dramatic fashion, and even that completely flips the script. Um, so I don't really know what else uh, we can say uh, on this episode that's going to be any negative at all. Yeah, a, a week at, a week ago at this time when we recorded our last episode, the Dodgers' longest winning streak of the season, I believe, was three, something they accomplished only once, and that's because they played the Rockies a couple times, so can't really read too much into that. But as of right now, Josh, the Dodgers are riding a six-game winning streak, and, you know, the Cardinals and Phillies aren't necessarily looking too good in the standings right now, but these are two teams that you think are going to be good by the end of the year. Now, I will say... I know that I've claimed to be the reason why Max Muncy has turned his season around. We're going to be talking about Muncy once again later in this episode. Uh, Chris Taylor's turned things around a bit. Not saying I'm taking credit for that. However, Josh, I am fully taking credit for this winning streak. Because the Dodgers, this all started when I went to Oklahoma for a wedding. I went to Oklahoma for a wedding. I didn't watch a single game. The Dodgers won every game. Where in Oklahoma? Oh, uh, Josh, beautiful Norman, Oklahoma, in which Whoa! I can, in which I can confirm, Josh, if you mention two names in particular, people actually do get upset at you. Oh, I bet I can name at least one of them. Oh, uh, would you like to take a guess, Josh, at what one of the names is? Oh, a man who who got out of there for good reason and has set his sights on a glorious, glorious future, um, and that could be describing both names. Uh, Lincoln that is true. Riley and Caleb Williams. The yeah, no. <laughs> God's gift to planet Earth. Lincoln no. Riley and Caleb Williams. 
I was in Norman, and one of my buddies who lives out here, who uh, went to went to college at Oklahoma, I saw him Friday night for the reception. I said, "Hey, man, I just gotta know if I actually walk around and mention these two names, like, are people gonna, you know, laugh it off as a joke? Or are they actually gonna be pissed?" And he was like, "No, I guarantee ninety five percent of the people, if you say those names to them, they are gonna be upset and they are gonna get mad at you." And can not confirm care. if you mess with some Oklahoma people, let alone some people in the city of Norman. They are still upset. They well, are I'll still tell you upset this not... right now. For for Man. people out there who who um, listen to the show that don't know this already, um, and and listeners of our old podcast, our old college football podcast that we used to have, would obviously know this. But uh, you and I both grew up USC football fans, but then went to school for sports journalism at Arizona State. Um, so um, I. You know, I'm still obviously have have um, an affinity for for USC football, um, but um, I would I would wear USC apparel from head to toe if I walked through that town. I would welcome it. I would. I'm. I, I, it's 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 beautiful. Just because I love the whole like, link. We don't. He wasn't even good here. Like, no, no. He, he was he was awful. The only reason I didn't do that was because I no longer have a USC t-shirt or a USC hat. But had I had one of those, they would have been in the suitcase for the trip. Because, oh, again, yeah. on, on Saturday morning, I decided our Airbnb was literally half a mile from campus. So I decided to walk around campus, go to the football stadium. I'm thinking, man, I nice. really wish I had a USC shirt or a hat on right now. But, yeah, can't confirm. People do get upset when you mention them. I will, I I will say this, Josh, at the wedding – when uh, we were lined up at the very end and the, everyone had the sparklers, we're waiting for the happy couple to come out. Yeah. I will just say, I wanted to just kind of test the crowd there because, you know, obviously she's from Norman, Oklahoma. And I just started a, uh, a certain word in regards to Lincoln Riley chant, and it picked up. And it picked up really quickly. So really? Pick whatever word you want to throw in before Lincoln Riley. King. It might, it might be the same word, you know, I started out with. And King Lincoln grew. Riley. It grew quickly. King Lincoln Riley. King Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Heisman Caleb Williams. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, throw whatever word you want. But uh, Norman, Oklahoma, my first time ever visiting, and most likely my last. But Josh, I really there's. Hoping, <laughs> I was really hoping you, you would say that it was in OKC, so that we could say Dodgers podcast host Blake Harris has been optioned to AAA Oklahoma City. I was one man. They were playing. They were playing in OKC that weekend, but. When you have friends that aren't really, you know, huge baseball fans, it's kind of tough to convince someone to go to a minor league game. Yeah, I, I really should. I really should drop them. But yeah, there. I was in Norman, Oklahoma, and the Dodgers have not lost since I went there. So, coincidence? Maybe. But yeah. I'm taking full credit. So that's where the story ventured off to, Josh. I'm just saying I'm taking credit <laughs> for the winning streak. But we were talking about USC and why the beautiful people of Norman, Oklahoma may have other thoughts and other ideas, but uh, enough talk for now. We have Dodger stuff to talk about, Josh. Before we get to that, make sure you guys follow us on social media at Inside the Ravine. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You guys can also watch our full shows on YouTube. You guys can also listen to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on the Odyssey app. And again, any other app you guys get your podcast. But Josh, a lot to catch up on. You know, we're kind of going to go over what's happened for the Dodgers the last week. But I want to start with today's game because we're, what, one month into the season the Dodgers have played, I don't know, 15, 20% of their schedule up until this point. I think by far today was their most impressive victory of the season. Obviously, you were there in person, so I'm sure it was a much different field than watching on TV. But for a team that's won five in a row, this could have been a game. It was a day game. They fell behind 5 nothing. They easily could have checked out. They said, you know, we've won five in a row. We've taken the series. Let's just move on to this weekend series against the Padres. They come from behind. They overcome a five-run deficit. A little chaos in the ninth inning, but Max Muncy in the bottom at the ninth. Yet again, says, uh, at Blake and Josh, I deserve to be hit in cleanup. He hits a walk-off grand slam. So, Josh, as someone that was at this game, what was it uh, like seeing the Dodgers pull off this comeback that kind of pretty much spanned from the third inning all the way until the bottom of the ninth? Yeah, well, uh, I, I will say... Um... To be completely honest with you, I was way more confident watching in the Dodgers bats watching today's game than I had been in the past because, you know, there have been a couple of games this season where they start to fall behind and the game's over, you know, like, oh, okay, today's not their day. But with just the way that they were hitting the ball these last couple of games, um, 
you just kind of knew that they weren't really out of it. And even if it was a little bit at a time, you know, the, once they went down, when they went down five, nothing, the next inning, they came back with a run, right? They, I, I want, it was the home run, right? Or was it the base? I think it was the double. Um, yeah. I think M- M- Mookie drove in a run. And Mookie then, drove in a run. Yeah. Um, and then after that, right, um, they start to slowly chip away. There's the home run. Um, you come up in, what was it, the, the sixth or seventh inning, and, and Freddie hits one to the wall. And you kind of just had that feeling like, all right, they're they're getting something here. And going into the eighth inning, they start to get that rally going. Now, I, I, I mean, no disrespect to a Sun Devil legend, but when Austin Barnes came up, I, I, I didn't see it. Um, I didn't see it happening just in that situation because there was the opportunity and with two outs, like I just didn't see it. He put, you know, a a good piece of hitting on display and just sliced one or pulled one to the left side and um, third baseman just couldn't handle it. And I don't know if the ball see looking at the back angle, which I didn't, I was at the game. I didn't see it. The back angle camera coming in from the bullpen and left field until after the game, but it looked like it almost like had, front spin where it like dipped randomly at the last second and he misjudged it. Um, but I mean, that was, that was a huge play for the Dodgers. Um, unfortunate that that wasn't the, uh, the game winning hit, but obviously it, it, it worked out um, for the Dodgers in the long run and getting a chance to face Craig Kimbrell in the ninth inning um, for the Dodgers. Um, first of all, very early on when Taylor swiped second base, I mean, you knew that the inning was going to be something because um, Kimbrel doesn't uh, just doesn't read the runners on base very well. A lot of guys ran on him last year, and Taylor was the perfect guy to get on base to lead off that inning because you had a feeling he was going to go. And Craig didn't really keep an eye on him. He swiped second base, and then later in the inning, when they allowed the Dodgers to take second base again, that I think was a huge issue. Where maybe they don't, maybe the the, the Phillies defensively and schematically play that situation a little bit different because then you have to walk a guy, then you have to load the bases. And when Muncy came up, for me, I thought the game's over. I mean, he's just been too good recently. And I didn't think he was going to hit a grand slam on the first pitch. I did, the thought crossed my mind, walk off grand slam, did not think he was going to park the first pitch into the, into the right field seats. So um, it was a good win because you haven't felt that way about the Dodgers in a while that felt like 2017 that felt like 2018 where they're going to fall behind and you still had that belief. And with the last couple of games and the way that the bats have been so consistently good, you just had that feeling like down five, nothing like put those early innings behind you and slowly chip away until you break through. And and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I mean, and the reason I kind of agree with you as well, when they were down five, nothing like I, it wasn't a full doomsday scenario because what the Dodgers have been doing during this six game winning streak is essentially what they've kind of been feeling to doing. It's what we've been begging them to do over the last couple of years. And that's the fact that they literally, when they score runs, they're doing it in all sorts of ways. You know, obviously they hit a couple home runs today. They won it with the grand slam, but like you said, Mookie Betts drove in a run with the hit. Freddie Freeman drove in a run with, drove in a run with the sack fly. Austin Barnes drove in two runs with a single. And Josh, I also agree with you. When I saw that Austin Barnes was pitch hitting, I think it was, I want to say for David Peralta, I'm thinking, Dave, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And uh, maybe the third baseman made a bad play, and that's what saved the day, but who knows? But everyone contributed. Even, again, Miguel Vargas, he had a two-run home run. It's not just hit a three-run home run, hopefully you hit another. And I think that's why I'm so confident in the Dodgers, because especially in this Philly series as a whole, these three games, I think the first two games they scored 13 runs in each game. I'd have to go back and look, but I feel like out of those 26 runs, not a whole lot of them were via the home run ball. It was just guys getting singles, getting doubles, drawing walks, getting sack flies. Yeah. And if the Dodgers offense can do this consistently and not have to rely on the home run ball, I mean, they can go back to a 105, 110-win team. And all of a sudden now, after the six-game winning streak, I think they're on pace for like 98 wins. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Kind of going back to the points that we just made, um, I think back to the to the flyout that, that Freeman had to the wall and – there've been so many moments this season where I don't want to say it feels like postseason play, but like in the postseason, you hit a ball to the wall and the guy catches it up against the wall. That's one of those like, Oh, we're so close. Like, Oh, what, what now today? It didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like that at all. And like when he hit that to the wall and it was caught, like the stadium audibly like cheered, 
when the because that ended the inning, right? And when the Dodgers came, the guys on the bases came trotting off, and the teams were switching sides. The stadium cheered like, "All right, we're in this. Like, we got it." And like, you haven't felt that really this season at all. Um, so I think that that was really nice. And just a, a reminder before we move on from today's game, we've got one more thing, and it's something I have to show you. So. Well, I was going to say, I, I wanted to just give a quick thing on how close were you to running on the field today to uh, slap Dave Roberts for not having Michael Bush in the lineup? Where is Michael Bush? Two days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can I, Josh, I just have to share this because the other night, I think it was Monday night, uh, Michael Bush was like one for 12 on the season. And I sent John, a, I sent Josh a text saying like, yeah, Michael Bush is actually the worst player in major league baseball. <laughs> and then I think he proceeds to then get three consecutive hits that game and just was like, okay, so the jinx just works in all yeah. facets essentially. So we, 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 we cured Michael Bush at least because yeah. after getting like three hits, Dave said, El Bencho for you, Mike. Yeah, coming into this Padres series, there's no way Dustin May is going to throw a no-hitter, right? No way. <laughs> no. Start throwing that out there, Blake. <laughs> I might have to. But what was it you wanted to throw out uh, before you close for today's game? Um, So I don't know how well this is going to play for a podcast or for radio here, but I kind of want to I want to show you something. So my dad's birthday is coming up, right? We're at the game today. I'm feeling pretty good after the game. And, you know, I'm walking out and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get something for my dad at the team shop. And I found, no one's going to know what this means, but you are. I found the most perfect gift for my father in the team shop today. And I have to say, it is the coolest thing in the team shop. And I'm going to give you a stab at what I got for him for his birthday. And there's no reason to spoil this because he's not going to listen to this before his birthday. So there's no spoilers here. So I want to see if you can guess it. I want to go a massive straw hat with a Dodgers logo on it. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible, right? Oh, that is fantastic. I knew it too. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I I mean, first of all, I mean, again, I don't know how well it's going to play for radio, but you've got the Dodgers logo on the front, a circular little patch here. And then underneath, underneath of this thing, You've got palm trees. You've got palm trees and like palm leaves and like little like mountains or rivers or something. And uh, I'm just noticing it says Dodgers spring training underneath the ca- in like script. Unbelievable. Coolest thing go. in the team shop. I mean, that's a nice hat, Josh. I might low-key want to nab one of those yep. myself. I know. I know. And yeah, not, Steve will love it. Not as there's one in there. Not going to lie, it was pretty ugly. Um, very expensive. This one was not bad. Okay. So yeah. Steve's getting a good birthday gift. And again, I, I love that I was able to guess it right off the bat. Dodgers how, how are you going to wrap you... that, Josh? How are you going to wrap oh, that? I'm not, are you just going to put it in a bag? Oh, just going to give it to him? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just going to give it right to him. I, I don't know what I'm, what else I'm supposed to do about this. But hey, Dodger fans, if you if you do want to contribute to the Shohei Otani 2024 fund, you can do that by purchasing a $45 standard baseball cap at a Dodgers game. Remember back in when I was a kid and those things were $20 or $25? Not anymore. Pay the Shohei tax and, and get a $45 Dodger hat. Yeah, pay the tax. Pay the Shohei tax. Hey, I'll, I'll contribute it to that. Josh, one, one thing I did want to get your quick thoughts on, I guess, I guess still in regards to today's game, but this was interesting because we didn't have a chance to actually talk about this in the last week or so because it kind of just developed over the last few days. But we talked about numerous times this offseason. A lot of people asked questions about it. We discussed it. But that was like, when do we see the young guys like Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller? I didn't have Gavin Stone making his debut one month into the season. They called him up. You got to see his debut. Got shelled. Things didn't go great. What are your thoughts on the Dodgers turning to their number one pitching prospect one month into the season? Again, I think he had four starts under his belt with OKC, and you're pretty much throwing him into the fire against a a really good uh, Philadelphia Phillies lineup. So, again, his career is going to be just fine, but what, what are your thoughts on kind of, I guess, seeing Gavin Stone as early as we did in the season? Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, Right now, I think these games against your division opponents are that much more crucial now, right? Um, because you now play everybody in the league. Um, and um, 
And that's great. That's really cool. But I think that that means that those games, those eight games against the Diamondbacks in the first 10 of the season were really, really important. And these next, I mean, the Dodgers have back-to-back series against the Padres coming up. So you know what? The Phillies have a really good lineup. And I highly doubt we've got any Phillies fans listen to, listening to this podcast. But if I can give one little piece of advice, chill out. Like, the Phillies are going to be fine, okay? And they're two games below 500 right now. Bryce Harper came back last night. He was freaking awesome today. He was reached all five times, five or six times. Um, the Phillies are going to be okay. But right now, they're struggling, and the Dodgers have been rolling. And you know what? We knew a couple of days ago Gavin Stone was going to get his opportunity to close out the homestand. Hopefully, the Dodgers had won a few games by then, get a day off, and then get the rotation going again into this series against the Padres. And again, really important games in the division this year. So I'm, I'm for it. Give him that chance to start against a good Phillies lineup. See what he can do. See, you know, let them test him a little bit. And you know what? It didn't go swimmingly. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't a great outing. I felt like things went downhill um, for him pretty quickly in this one. Obviously the first inning um, kind of gets hung out to dry a little bit. Obviously, um, the really bad inning was the third, but, uh, you know, first inning was clean or first inning gave up a run, um, an unearned run. Um, second inning was clean and the fourth inning was when things started to fall apart. And then again, the fourth inning was clean too. So we had a couple of decent innings got knocked around in the fourth and then kind of got hung out to dry a little bit in the first. So really one major blemish for, for stone today. Um, he doesn't get a loss. Sure, he gave up eight hits, didn't really have his best stuff, um, but I, I think it's his debut. Um, and if that's how you're going to start, um, you can really only go up from there. And, and, and like you said, I certainly did not expect to see him this early in the season. But again, you know, we've seen the Dodgers rotation take a couple of hits and we've seen the bullpen obviously not live up to expectations so far and they're getting better. Um, but, you know, really um, – the team from a pitching perspective outside, I think of Julio and, and Kershaw for the most part, haven't really lived up to our expectations. Um, so the opportunity to see a guy like Gavin Stone early in the season for me is fine um, and kind of get a couple of games under his belt. He's not going to be here all season. So get some games under his belt so that the next opportunity he gets, he's going to feel a lot more comfortable when the Dodgers need him next and need him even more. He's going to be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth in regards to, like, it can only go up from here. Like, it can't really get much worse than allowing eight hits in five runs in four innings. Like, I would have liked to see him go against maybe a team with a less dominant lineup like the Phillies got. But overall, again, nothing really to complain about. I do like that we got to see him this early because you see what you got in him. And then if you need him a month from now, two months from now, you go to him again to make another start. Cause I, if I were to guess, this is probably gonna be the last start he makes for some time. I think the Dodgers just wanted to line up their rotation uh, for this weekend in San Diego. They wanted to avoid having Noah Syndergaard pitch, I think this weekend. So uh, overall, Gavin Stone, great to see him. Hopefully he goes back to OKC, builds on a couple things. And whenever we see him, whether it's a couple weeks, a couple months, hopefully, you know, you get somewhat better than he did today, but Josh, uh, you got to see a rookie make his debut. I'm jealous. You got to see a lot of rookies. Speaking of rookies, we're going to be talking about a couple of them, one in particular, when we come back from our first break. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, Josh, we are back. I just teased talking about a certain rookie. Now, before I talk about this rookie, I do want to throw a quick shout-out Miguel, to Miguel Vargas, throw it his way, because the last few games, Josh, he has been fantastic for the Dodgers. I think yesterday he had his first multi-extra base hit game of, the, of his career, had four hits, today he hit a two-run home run. All of a sudden now, he's really turning a corner. He's looking really good. I know we've talked about so many players so far this season, but if Miguel Vargas, who I believe was the Dodgers' most highly touted, you know, non-Diego Cartaya hitter entering the season, if he's able to live up to the hype, live up to the expectations that were set for him, this could be a Dodgers lineup that just gets that much deeper. And again, I know it's been a small sample size over the last week, but I just wanted to throw out there how good he's looked. And again, you got to see him crush a two-run home run today. 
uh, as part of the Dodgers comeback. Yeah, seven hits, uh, two home runs, handful of RBIs, and a handful of runs scored in just this homestand alone. Um, and I think that's super important for the Dodgers because, um, again, not only obviously you want him in the lineup, but not only um, is his bat, I think, important, um, but the Dodgers need to be forced to keep him in the lineup. And I think that that's what he's been doing these last couple of games because, again, you know, he hadn't been very good um, – at least at the plate uh, up until, you know, these last couple of games. I mean, he was hitting uh, at one point, his average had dipped back below um, 200 and was at 186 at one point. And really, really since the Chicago series, um, he started to come around a little bit more. And that average has been climbing a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, And now, you know, I think that he's been a lot, a lot better. Um, And I think it, the Chicago series when it started the turn, but it is really culminated during this homestand, this six game homestand and six wins for the Dodgers. And he's been a pretty big piece of that. Now, of course the Dodgers have had some blowout wins as of late, which, which obviously helps, but you know, he's been a big part of that as well. So I think that's super important for him um, to, to keep the bat going here. Um, Especially when, you know, the Dodgers hitting has been pretty inconsistent this season and, yeah, it's going now. Yeah, James Outman's been great. Muncy's come around. Even these last couple of games, um, Chris Taylor's been hitting the ball a little bit better. Um, but I, the Dodgers just cannot continue to rely on only players like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, and and hell, James Outman. Uh, but Muncy's getting going. A guy like Vargas it has got to get going, and he has. So, and I and I think that's really important. And you know what? David Peralta's had a couple of hits these last few games too. Um, yeah. and and he had struggled a little bit. Um, uh, these last couple of weeks, and and even he started to to started to swing the bat a little bit better. Yeah, there were a lot of people that were talking about Miguel Vargas that like maybe his thumb or whatever his injury was, was still kind of bothering him a little bit, and maybe that was the case because all of a sudden he looks like a much better hitter. I mean, literally, I think he's got a WRC plus. I loaded up right now of one sixteen. I mean, he's striking out and walking at the same rate. He's starting to show some power. So again, if Miguel Vargas gets going, he's your number seven, number eight hitter. This Dodgers lineup is going to be in a good spot. But speaking of another rookie, Josh, and uh, we'll get to another player as well. But we'll start with James Outman, who we just talk about, you know, we praise him on every show. He was named the National League Rookie of the Month. This comes one day after the at MLB social media accounts posted their top 10 rookies of the year. And uh, so they had, they had, I don't know if you saw this, Josh, but yeah. they had James Outman at number eight. So yeah. whoever whoever was running the uh, at MLB, well, you don't know ball because James Outman <laughs> was just named the National League Rookie of the Month. Josh, this is the first time in six years the Dodgers have had a National League Rookie of the Month. Would you like to take a guess as to when the last Dodger rookie was, or who the last Dodger rookie was to win rookie of the month and like i said it's been six years so that's a, a slight hint to uh, give you right there six years um so six years would put us at what 2017 that is correct uh well man that has to be uh 2017 well i can narrow it down to two guys so i'm gonna go with bellinger spot on and i think it's got to be cody bellinger because yeah, seager sure. would have been 2016 right Cody Bellinger in May of 2017. Yeah. So James Outman not only was the best rookie in all of baseball, but you can make the case he was one of the 5 to 10 best players in the National League overall. He had 292 OPS of 991, just under 1,000, 7 home runs, 4 doubles, 3 triples, 17 RBIs, or 17 runs, 20 RBIs. His home runs, RBIs, and hits are the most ever by a Dodger rookie before May 1st. So... You know, we talked about him so much this offseason. Is he the real deal? Can he build off of what he did last year? Again, it's been a month, a lot of season left, but Josh, so far, James Outman is proving to be the real deal. Yeah, yeah, he has. And and even, even when he hasn't been red hot, he's still been consistent, you know? Even when he hasn't been coming through with massive hits, he's still been contributing. Um, and, and that's what's been huge. And again, you know, we, we already said it earlier this year, Keep an eye out for for him and the rookie of the year voting. And sample size has still been not great or not huge in the grand scheme of things. But right now, that sample size is enough for me. 
um, to say that, that he is going to be in that conversation by the end of the year. And he's been terrific. I mean, it really is amazing how he just continues to exceed our expectations. He just looks better and better, and he's doing it all. Whether he's hitting home runs, whether he's drawing walks, whether he's hitting lefties, whether he's hitting the ball the opposite way. I mean, his defense as well has been fantastic. So James Outman, he continues to impress. He's, again, been one of the 5-10 to 10 best hitters so far in all of baseball. Will this continue on as the season progresses? I'm sure he's going to have a little bit of regression, but at this point, what we've seen the first month, what we saw in spring training, what we saw in the minors, there's no reason he can't be a guy that posts an OPS above 900 that hits 20, 25 home runs a season. So I'm excited for the potential of James Altman. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Maybe he wins Rookie of the Month again at this point. Miguel Vargas has given him a run for his money through the first few games of the season. But James Outman, first, again, first Dodger rookie to win Rookie of the Month since 2017. That felt a little longer. I figured we would have had someone at least over the course of the last couple of years, but I guess that's not the case. Josh, are you ready for another uh, piece of trivia that I'm going to throw your way? I'm ready. All right, so moving on. Uh, James Outman wasn't the only player to take home a uh, month honor. Clayton Kershaw was named the National League Pitcher of the Month. So first off for Clayton Kershaw, Josh, would you like to take a guess as to how long it's been since Clayton Kershaw was named a Pitcher of the Month in the National League? Because it, oh, I, I'm going to say, I'll just, I'll let you go because I was going to say that's something that might give it away. I, I'm going to say it's like 2017. It's got to be the same time frame, like six years. So I figured at some point he probably would have been named it when he had a nice month stretch over the last couple of years. It's his first time being the pitcher of the month since May of 2016. Wow. So seven years. Seven years it's been since Kershaw was pitcher of the month. But going back to my little trivia for you, would you like to take a crack as to who the last Dodgers pitcher was to be named the pitcher of the month? And if you want, you can take a guess, but if you want, I can give you one hint. Give me one hint. Uh, we're staying on, on schedule with 2017 because the last time it happened was in 2017. I'm going to go with... Uh, 2017. It's, a, it's an interesting one. It's not a picture you would think. I'm going to go with out on a limb here, and I'm going to say Hyunjin Ryu. That's a great guess, but it is incorrect because the correct answer is Alex Wood. Really? Alex Wood wow, took okay. home the honors also in May of 2017 when Cody Bellinger won Rookie of the Month. So it's been a while since a Dodgers pitcher has won uh, Pitcher of the Month. It's kind of crazy that for a Dodgers team that every year is just insanely good. It's been six years since they've had a player take home the honors, but Clayton Kershaw, Josh, I mean, this is just insane. I know it's May 3rd, but Clayton Kershaw is probably the front runner to win the National League Cy Young. Uh, currently, he's tied for the Major League lead with five wins. He went 5-1, and one, 1 1.89 ERA, 0 0.76 whip. He pitched 38 innings, which I think leads the majors as well. Had more than 40 strikeouts. Uh, this is vintage Clayton Kershaw, who has maybe 100-plus months of Major League experience, and April of 2023 is one of the best months he's had in his entire career. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. That's all there is to say. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's insane. I, I mean, it, Yeah, it's ridiculous. And we've been saying this for, for a little while now. I mean, the, the Dodgers, he's, he's going to be the Dodgers' top guy. And... You know, he's going to continue to be the Dodgers best guy until he's not anymore, until it's Walker Bueller or or even and and last year, I you know, I said this like no disrespect to Clayton Kershaw, but last year the Dodgers best pitcher was Julio Urias. And um and and so far this year it's been Kershaw again, and he's been terrific every time he's taken the mound. And Julio's had he's there's been a few times when he's got hit around a little bit, but for the most part, Julio's been fantastic as well but right now Clayton Kershaw is the Dodgers best asset um on the pitching staff whether it be in the bullpen or in the rotation he's been their most important player so far to the point where if Clayton Kershaw's on the mound the Dodgers are going to win I mean this stretch that he's on is probably the best I've seen Kershaw in quite some time I mean we've seen him have really good outings over the last couple of years but to have essentially the stretch he's currently on just his last three starts I mean against the Mets 
a team that many expect to be, you know, a contender in the National League. Seven scoreless innings, nine strikeouts, no walks. Then on the road at the Cubs, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. And then this past weekend <laughs> against the Cardinals, an offense that I think is one of the better ones in all of baseball that's just been struggling. Seven scoreless innings, two hits, no walks, nine strikeouts. I mean, it, it's insane what he's been doing. I mean, aside from one game earlier in the year against Arizona, in which even then he allowed four runs in six innings, I think that's almost a quality start. Clayton Kershaw's been fantastic. He's been the best pitcher on the Dodgers. He's been the best pitcher in all of baseball. So if he's able to keep this up, I, I think there's no reason why, barring injury, he's not going to be in the Cy Young discussion at the end of the year. I think it would be phenomenal if he goes out on top this year with the Cy Young. So it, it really is incredible how Clayton Kershaw in year 16 honestly might be the most underrated pitcher in all of baseball which is just crazy to think about. So player of the month honors, which Josh, I, if, if I would have told you to start the season back in March, that Clayton Kershaw would be winning pitcher of the month for the first month. And James, that wouldn't be winning rookie of the month for the first month. You probably would have said, uh, you would, you, you would say something that we probably can't say on the show. Uh, something that one of our friends, big J has probably said in the past, but you'd probably say, <laughs> you'd probably say I'm a, you'd say I'm insane. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, I don't know if that's the last time we get, uh, you know, a, a, a pitcher or rookie of the month honor for the Dodgers this year, especially rookie with the way that a guy like James Outman has been playing too. So who knows? Maybe we'll get some more. I know it's been a while, but um, yeah, both deserving. And uh, it's nice to see him be recognized too, because like you said, you know, it seems like Kershaw has kind of been, um kind of flying under the radar a little bit so so that's huge i mean the way things are going with the dodgers rookies they could be looking at a different rookie of the month every month i mean miguel vargas he might make a run this month yeah michael maybe michael bush for the month of june he makes a run maybe gavin stone makes a run at some point so the dodgers could have a lot of rookie of the months maybe a few pitcher of the months maybe a player of the month as well why don't we just get the trifecta so josh we're going to take a quick we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to wrap up the show answering a few quick questions from the viewers passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Josh, we are back, and we are going to end this show with some questions from our listeners. As always, we turn to Twitter. We asked you guys to submit your questions for our mailbag for the end of this episode. Now, Josh, this is actually a perfect question to kind of, you know, we were going to talk about this, but I wanted to save this and actually use their question. Vic Edmonds wants to know, what is our prediction for the upcoming Padres series? The Dodgers are playing the Padres for the first time this weekend. They are going down to San Diego. So, obviously, it's going to be a huge series. Like you mentioned earlier, the fact that we only play each other, I think, 12 times this year. These games are essentially almost twice as important as they were on a year-to-year basis. So, Josh, what are your predictions for this upcoming weekend? Yeah, I mean, it should be a good series. And you know what? The, the Padres just got Tatis back. Um, so, so, after one of the craziest minor league baseball stretches in, it's got to be ever, right? Um, that he went down there and was just hammering the baseball. So, um, you know, Tatis is back. Um, look, we know what it's like down there. Um, when the Dodgers go there, they're going to get the Padres best. How many times have we seen the Padres been in the middle of a losing streak, come out and face the Dodgers like every single time they meet is game seven of the NLCS and you get the best from the team and from the crowd. And that's just kind of how it goes down there. So um, they're going to get up to play the Dodgers and, 
you know what? The Dodgers team is a little bit different than it has been in years past. I'm going to hope that the Dodgers are, are right there with them um, when it comes to playing the Padres this year, especially after the way that last season ended. So um, I think it's going to be a good series. Um, I'm excited to see what we get. Um, and again, you know, if things go very well or things go very poorly, let's not, you know, act like the, the, the world or the sky is falling again or act like the Dodgers just won the world series. Cause guess what? Four days later, they're going to play again. So um, you get the Padres back-to-back series. I'm going to go six games. I'm going to say that the Dodgers go three and three in six games between this weekend and next weekend. Um, yeah. I think that's fair um, because, you know, the Padres actually have been really good recently too. Um, they've been the second best team in the division right behind the Dodgers over the last 10 games, which, you know, in baseball is could, could even just be 10 days. Like that's not that many. It, it seems like it's a lot of games, but it's really not that much time. Um, so it's not like hockey or basketball or, you know, or, or, or even soccer or something like that. where like a 10 game stretches of huge sample size, because if you think about it, like it's only 10 days really. Um, so, you know, they've been one of the better teams in the division as of late. Um, but right now the Dodgers are rolling. So I, I, I think down in San Diego, just, because I can, maybe I'll give the Padres the edge and say that the Padres take two or three and, and then the midweek matchup against the Brewers and next weekend at home, I, I think the Dodgers will win two or three. I mean, as we've seen in recent years, anytime the Dodgers go down to San Diego, like you said, it's game seven of the NLCS for that stadium for those fans. So the place is going to be rocking. The Dodgers did shake around the rotation for this series, and I think they even admitted it, where in years past, maybe they don't, maybe they just let guys go, but as you know, we've talked about these games against your inner division teams are so much more important. They hold so much more weight. So it's going to be Clayton Kershaw, Joe Musgrove on Friday. And then on what Saturday, it's going to be Dustin May, you Darvish. And then Sunday, Julio Urias versus Blake Snell, three great pitching matchups. Josh, I'm going to go two out of three for the Dodgers in this one, just because I do think they have the advantage in two of the three games when it comes to the starting pitching. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully they take two out of three. Like you said, the overreactions are going to be insane in regardless to what happens with either side. If the Dodgers sweep them, well, we know what the reactions are going to be. If the Dodgers get swept, I think we know what the reactions are going to be as well. And like you said, they play them again next weekend. So let's, uh, let's just hold down the fort just a little, but going to be a fun series this weekend. Josh, our next one comes from Alfredio9. Alfredio9. I tried as best as I could. Yeah. Why? Maybe you can answer this, Josh, because you were in attendance. Why was Bruised Dark Gratterall used over Evan Phillips today? Yeah, I thought they were going to go with Phillips. And uh, you know what? What I will say is Bruised Dark came in and got the first out. And then every batter he faced, he had two strikes on, you know. Uh, so I, I, I want to say he missed on like three three pitches, right? Three big pitches is what he missed on. He gave up two hits and he walked a guy all with two strikes. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't hate the decision. I thought that they would have gone to Phillips in that scenario, but again, we saw Bruce Dar in a similar situation, you know, a couple of games ago and he came in and flamethrower, he Bruce Dar is Bruce Dar sometimes. Right. So, um, he came in today and I, and I just don't think it worked out for the Dodgers and uh, we'll see what we get in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he he had two strikes on like every guy he faced were one strike away from winning the game. I got no problem with using Gratterall. I don't understand why Phillips wasn't used when he wasn't used yesterday. Tomorrow's an off day. And I think it was like the heart of the lineup that was coming up too. So it was, I mean, yeah. the Dodgers won, so at the end of the day, it's fine. But yeah, I don't understand keeping Evan Phillips down for that ninth inning. And again, at the end of the day, they won. It doesn't necessarily matter all that much. But if we could go back in a time machine... I would bring out Evan Phillips for the ninth instead of Bruce Dark Radawal. Luis Lopez, how long do the Dodgers go with Noah Syndergaard? I mean, Josh, he, six mm. starts, ERA above 6.3. His whip is 1.40. Only 21 strikeouts in 31 innings. Apparently, because I, I missed his last start, he went five and a third. Didn't strike out anyone. Um, prior to that, two strikeouts in his back-to-back -back starts. The Dodgers brought him in to essentially give them innings and limit the damage, but five and a third innings this one, four innings his last outing, had another four inning outing a couple couple weeks ago. Uh, 
Maybe that's why they gave Gavin Stone a shot today to see what the leash is like for Syndergaard. But again, they didn't want him pitching against the Padres this series. They wanted to push him back. So how much longer can you really afford to give Noah Syndergaard until it's at a point where he just doesn't have it? Because I will say six starts, that is not a whole lot. So Josh, I guess how many starts do you think you should give him before you just you start to think about other options maybe in that rotation? Let, let's go, for me, let's go nine or ten. Uh, my biggest thing is it's not even... It's not even the the six starts and and the ERA at what it's at. Um, It's not even the strikeout numbers, which are very, very low. Um, He hasn't really walked anybody. So that's good. You know, he he hasn't been issuing very many walks. My problem is that teams are not like his, his whip is at 1.4. So not lovely. And, and teams are hitting, above 300 against him teams are hitting like 308 against him right now um which is not great um and maybe maybe this isn't fair but like let's just compare to what Kershaw who's been who's been the Dodgers best best pitcher right now Kershaw's uh, opposing batting average or, or te- teams are hitting let's see um 175 against Clayton Kershaw so like you have obviously the really high end with with Kershaw and how he's been pitching versus how the Dodgers, you know, least consistent, least impressive starting pitcher has been so far. Hitting guys are hitting above 300 against him. So so right now it's he's just not getting it done. Um, so again, like I said, maybe that's not a fair comparison considering comparing Noah Syndergaard to the guy who just won the NL pitcher of the month. But um, look, I, it he just has not been good enough. So I'll say let's give him nine or ten starts and reevaluate. But maybe there's a chance he gets pushed back to the bullpen soon. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree. Like, maybe let him get through May, see how it looks. Josh, I'm looking, like, into his percentiles, and essentially the only thing he's been doing great this year is, like you said, he's not walking anyone. He's 95th percentile when it comes to walk percentage, so that's great. Guys aren't really hitting the ball hard off of him, so I guess that's something that's a silver lining. But, yeah, everything else is really bad. And I was going to say it should be a no-brainer to move him to to the bullpen and then maybe pull someone up to be in your starting rotation. But the issue with me is with Syndergaard, he doesn't strike people out. So if you're moving him to the bullpen, it'd be one thing if he was like an Andrew Heaney, where the dude's a strikeout machine and he might struggle really, you know, with everything else. But maybe in one inning, he'll give you two or three strikeouts. Syndergaard doesn't give you that. So you can't DFA him because you can't really eat the $13 million. You can't move him to the bullpen. You can't phantom IL him. You might just have to, at this point, write it out. And again, just hope he gives you six innings and saves the bullpen. Because if the Dodgers offense can give you five runs, you'll likely win. So you say, okay, Syndergaard, if you can give us six innings and allow less than four runs, I think it, it's at the point now that the Dodgers just take that. But they're kind of in no man's land with Noah Syndergaard yeah, at this point. But 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 you're right. You, you know, teams aren't destroying the ball against him. They're just getting knocked. Yeah. Like he's yeah. given up 40 hits in 31 innings. He's only given up five home runs, and he doesn't really walk anybody. So yeah. that's fine but again he's not striking anybody out and he's just giving up hit 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 so if you get if you send him to the bullpen he's not going to come in and you know put out a fire for you because he's not going to come in and blow it past anybody he's not going to strike anybody out what's worrisome for me is you put him in a late game situation where it's a tie game or the Dodgers have a lead maybe not a late game but you know push him to the bullpen in any way and then he comes up gives up a knock Somebody comes up, gives up a knock, and now you've got runners on first and third, nobody out just like that because that's kind of what we've seen from him is we'll have, you'll have one really good inning, and he gets to the second inning, and and then he gets knocked around a little bit. And again, it's just a little bit yeah. at a time. Other teams have just been chipping away at him until they chase him from the game, and that's just how it's been, and that worries me if they have him in a bullpen role. Right. So we'll see. We'll see uh, one month. Give him another month. That, that's my thing. Josh, we have time for one more question. This comes from Renfon Ghoul. Renfon Ghoul. Renfon Guel. One of those. What do you think the net impact of the new rule changes is on the Dodgers? Do you think it's been positive, negative, or is it still too early to tell? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Josh, that's easy just from watching the eye test. You don't have to look at the stats. You don't have to look at the advanced numbers. Uh, this whole sto- uh, The whole bigger, larger base thing that everyone was expecting to lead to stolen bases. It has been screwing the Dodgers. I don't know if they're still number one in the league in opposing stolen bases, but teams are running all over the Dodgers. Nobody can figure it out. 
And hopefully by the time October rolls around, they fix it because it seems like every game you're watching, especially that Pirates series last week, Josh, I don't know how much oh, you yeah, caught of it. Pirates, yeah, the Pirates uh, run it, on everybody, though. But that was unbelievable what the Dodgers were letting happen. So I think that is my, has been my biggest takeaway is the stolen bases against the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, the Dodgers have started to figure it out for themselves a little bit. The Dodgers have been running a lot more these last couple of games, which is good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the, let's take out the Pirates series. I mean, they that was crazy um, what they were what they were doing on the base pass. But um, you take that out, and I don't think it's that big of a deal right now. Um, and and you know what, I think the Dodgers are going to start to run and figure it out a little bit more as the season goes on. So for me, I'm going to let that breathe a little bit. Um, some of the other rule changes, you know, we've already talked about the pitch clock. I love it. It's it's awesome. But, you know, today for me did not seem like a very quick game. It felt like we were there for a little while. Um, so so that's that's great. I know some people have been like, well, what if you go to the game and suddenly like you get up to get a, a beer or you get up to get a hot dog and you've missed an entire inning or two innings or something like that. I didn't get that sense today. I felt like the game was, you know, the perfect length. But at home, man, it's been great watching these games on TV. And you're like, oh, fifth inning, 810. Love that. Like, so so I'm I've been in on that. Yeah, there we go. So I was just looking at the Dodgers, like number of stolen bases, because I was going to say they've been stealing a lot more as of late, and it really felt like they've been running like absolute crazy. I think maybe it was like a week and a half or two weeks ago. I think they literally had like two stolen bases. It was just James Outman who had stolen the only two bases of the season. Fast forward a couple weeks, Josh, and all of a sudden the Dodgers have 21 stolen bases as a team. So they've kind of, I think, realized, hey, actually, the percentages are in our favor. We can run a lot. We're going to steal bases. So I think that's been the only issue. Again, the pitch clock, uh, I think performance, I think it's helped. My viewing experience has been a whole lot better. So just the Dodgers, figure it out. Figure Figure out how to throw guys out. They'll be all right. That's it. Figure it out. That's a perfect way to wrap up uh, today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, uh, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Josh, I think you said we might have an episode following the Padre series, so... If that's the case, well, hopefully we're talking about a great series win. If it's not a series win, maybe we'll save it for after the Brewers series. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. Hey, maybe they're riding a nine-game winning streak the next time we record. We'll have to wait and see. But for Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Again, you guys can find us on social media at Inside the Ravine. You guys can listen to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your week wherever you may be.